Hello, and what's happening? It's the Album Nerds Podcast. This is Dude, and I've got uh, little old Andy waiting to say something. How you doing, Andy? What's up, brother? I don't know. What's up with you? What are we doing here? <laughs> I don't know, dude. I just got to wake up and put a microphone in front of my face, and here we are. Yeah, it's it's like the sunrise. Yep. Your microphone, anyway. It's happening. Huge. Yep, just keeps coming. <laughs> Every day, there it is. All right, so uh, here we are, Album Nerds Podcast. Two dudes that love talking about albums. We talk about new albums, we talk about old albums, and we shove it all into one beautiful little show. So today, we each get to pick a newer album and an older album. And both my picks are kind of from a heartland rock perspective, both uh, focus on small town life, American life, and the ups and downs that come with that. I'm bringing to the table The Killers' new album, Pressure Machine, and then we'll be talking about uh, Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. Yeah, for my two picks, I have two records that have bands that change their sound drastically. So I got the new King Gizzard, kind of talked about them in a few weeks, and uh, a dance record from back in the early 90s from Underworld. This is is going way back in a different time period in my life, different different andy oh i'm <laughs> glad I, I'm, you guys know <laughs> i want to beat that andy up <laughs> oh glow stick andy oh my god i can see it now <laughs> the giant pants yeah the goggles on your head the ski goggles <laughs> right just just there in case it starts to snow nowhere <laughs> no seriously did you <laughs> No, I had orange glasses, but they were not goggles. Okay. <laughs> they were still pretty pretentious. And oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we got a, a four pack of delicious records here to crack open for you. Well, no time like the present, right? Let's do it. All right, so I'll start off first here today. My new release recommendation is coming from. Melbourne, Australia, and the King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard put out a record back in June of 2021 entitled Butterfly 3000. This is their 18th studio album. Wow. And they've been around, what, only a few years, right? 10 years? Uh, Maybe 10 years or so, give or take, yeah. Yeah, they're busy boys. Busy boys, they're down under. Uh, so second release this year, put us out on their own label, which is pretty cool, called KGLW. And uh, as we'll hear here when we play the first cut, it's a pretty abrupt change of pace for them. They've kind of uh, put away the guitars for the most part and got out some synths, got a little bit into the, the pop space. So let's jump in and hear what they're up to. This is a little taste of interior people. Yeah, I was really hesitant to bring this to the show just because we talked about King Gizzard pretty much a couple times a year at least. Well, They're by far our most popular band, I think, between the two of us. They right? come up a lot. I think we've featured at least three of their albums. Yeah. 
over a short period of time. Yes. But they've been very prolific. As well, yeah. I mean, it's not really fair to put them into the same category as artists that make one album every three to five years when they're putting out True. three, on average, three a year, right? Yeah. Of different styles. They put out like yeah. six yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I think what really drew me to this record, one, just the quality is awesome. It's very, and it's a very cohesive record. They really stick in this vein of kind of this synth rock, I guess I would call it. That's really good, man. I really think it's fantastic. It might be among my favorites of theirs to date. It's a really happy record. You know, it was recorded over quarantine. So a lot of these records we're talking about nowadays are or were. But I think what makes it so happy was the lead singer, Stuart McKenzie. Um, as he's writing this, he's getting ready to have his first kid. His daughter was just about to be born. Um, and she kind of represents this butterfly, this change, metamorphosis, things, theme that kind of is woven throughout this record here. Um, but you can just hear how excited he is about this, like, change in his life, but also the kind of this change he's introducing into the world. Yeah, man, I just really impressed by how they could switch their sound up so much and still, still sound like the King Gizzard that we know from the past, but really just take on this different side of them and a different energy completely. What do you think, man? You're a fan, but you're more into like the, uh, their thrash sound. And we talked about their record from last year. That was more of like a thrash metal record. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to like them a little bit more when they're, they're throwing the guitars at me. Right. So I heard this one, like the week it came out and it just a little too, dreamy and spacey for me to i didn't really return to it yeah except when i forced you to well you're not the only one i have uh, another buddy that kept saying i needed to listen to it again so okay yeah i mean it's pleasant it's if i were to want to listen to king gizzard and the lizard wizard so many words this probably wouldn't be the one i'd go to but i could see how i think a lot of people would enjoy this you know, I think it is more accessible and it's friendlier sounding. Mm-hmm. It, I don't want to say pretentious about their previous releases, but there's a certain audiophile music fan sort of level to their previous releases. It feels like it's music snob music, which yeah. is part of what I think I liked about it. <laughs> right. it's, and this doesn't have that if, that, if that makes any sense at all. 100%. It's a little more pop orientated in terms of just the the, feet, the sound and feel. Yeah, it's it's kind of bouncy. It's light. Stewart uses his falsetto pretty much the entire record, so it makes things feel very pleasant and fun. And you want to you want to kind of hang out in this record. It does get a little bit psychedelic at times, as they're definitely one of the genres they dabble in. There are some guitars, but it's mostly bouncy. I kept thinking of like Beach Boys, and they. One song on here, they just flat out reference the Beach Boys. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that style and harmonization going on. The other band I kept thinking about was Animal Collective, um, who kind of work in the same space, kind of like that happy-go-lucky, bouncy pop, but also kind of rock sound. Yeah, it's a cool record, man. I really enjoyed it. Um, lyrically, they deal with a lot of themes of change and progression, not only in Stewart's personal life, but they talk about, you know, the planet as a whole. And then there's even one song here, Black Hot Soup, which is pretty cool. 
are talking more about like the universe as a whole and what sort of changes the universe is going through. Yeah, really, really impressed by this record. I, I almost guarantee it could be in my top top tens for the year. Nice. As much as I hate to come back to them like over and over again, they're just like I think they're one of the best bands doing it the last few years, and I think this is one of the more cohesive releases they put out. Period. Yeah, like we mentioned earlier. I know it's one band, but it's, I would say they've been five different bands since their first yeah. release in 2012. So you get a pass. We can bring them up as often as we <laughs> need to, as long as they keep doing what they've been doing. So, and I think they will. Did you, what'd you think of LW, the album earlier in the year? Yeah, that, this is more like, ter- I guess I would call it the traditional King Gizzard sound. Um, I liked it okay. I guess I wasn't as enthralled with it, maybe because it was a little bit samey compared yeah. to what they had done in the past. I think I was more comfortable with it because it had that microtonal stuff going on, mm-hmm. and it's kind of what I was expecting as their kind of default if they're not doing like thrash or something crazy. When I listened to Butterfly 3000, I was like, mm, this doesn't sound right to me, but speaking to you about it and hearing you talk about it, it, it does put it in perspective a little bit where they're doing what they're doing. Their lives have changed and something is affecting the sound that they're making right now. The world has had all sorts of crazy shit going on. So um, maybe after talking to you, I I try it with a fresh set of ears again and, and look for those those things that you mentioned. So thanks. Thanks, Andy. I think uh, you're healing the world one recommendation at a time. <laughs> That's the goal here. Yeah, you know, it's so hard to go in with expectations, especially when you've heard a band so many times before. It's hard to go in with truly fresh ears. I just keep hoping for another thrash album. That's all. That's that's my bad. Dude, they probably put one out before the end of the year. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, so once again, that was King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Their album is Butterfly 3000. It is out now on all your streaming platforms. I wonder if Andre 3000 is going to be annoyed at that. No. No. <laughs> All right, my turn. We're talking about a band that uh, I had never listened to before this release. So I'm just going to jump into it, and then we'll we'll unpeel it. Uh, this is The Killers. The album is Pressure Machine. came out in August of 2021. And we're going to start with a little upbeat number, Sleepwalker. So that was The Killers with uh, Sleepwalker from the album Pressure Machine. And uh, that's not what I expected from The Killers. I've never listened to their music before. I'd, I'd heard them on the radio. Never thought much of uh, Mr. Brightside. It's like, okay, whatever, pop rock that people like. Everyone but me, apparently. And then the, somebody told me <laughs> the girlfriend, the boyfriend of February of last year. That's all I knew. <laughs> What about you, Andy? Were you familiar with or enjoyed the music of the Killers at all in the 
uh, what was it, 20, 15, 20 years ago, their debut? Yeah, I think it was like early to mid 2000s. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was not in love with them. I did own the record, but mostly it was just kind of a default record to have at the time because it was so popular. Right, right. Yeah, but wow, this is not the same band that I knew at all. So, just a little background. They were, the band was formed in Las Vegas in 2001. Brandon Flowers is the lead vocalist, kind of the known factor there. And their name was derived from a logo on the bass drum of, of a fictitious band portrayed in the music video for the New Order song, Crystal, <laughs> which I thought was interesting considering our conversation with, uh, oh, with Don right. and New Order came up and, and all of that stuff. So, I just thought that was kind of weird. Huh, yeah. This is their seventh studio album, and the second that they've released during the COVID-19 pandemic-y stuff. Hmm. It's nostalgic, it's kind of melancholy, and it's about small-town life in Utah. It has these little recorded vignettes. Yeah, so the, each track features a short interview with a different person who grew up in the town in Utah that they're talking about. I don't know what town that is. Um uh, it's the one Zion. Zion. Okay. Thank you. I'm unfamiliar with Utah except for it's salty and it's got Mormons. That's the only thing I know <laughs> about Utah. It's salty. <laughs> it's very rocky, uh, mountainous terrain. I guess this isn't the first time that they've made an attempt to kind of do this American story, life of regular folks kind of thing. Uh, Sam's Town, a 2006 album, did a similar thing for Las Vegas, but it sounded very killersy. Um, mm. This sounds kind of Heartland Rock, Bruce Springsteen, John Mellencamp, sort of. Although it, it's more textured than some of that is, it, it definitely has that Heartland Rock sound, which is, I think, what immediately drew my ear to it because I grew up loving that. That's why we're talking about the boss later. Mm -hmm. The little vignettes coupled with the songs, really the lyrics and stuff, like it all just comes together where it actually is com totally compelling. Like every song. Sleepwalker is kind of the upbeat song that kind of gets you through. It's, it's sort of in the middle and it's about coming back to life and and you're afraid of things in life but you can find reasons to go on and live. And the rest of the songs are about suicide, drug abuse, <laughs> the little secret things that go on in these sleepy towns where life seems perfect, but there's really an undercurrent uh, in any community. Yeah. How did you feel about this? Were you like, oh my God, not a killer's album <laughs> when I was like, dude, check this out. <laughs> yeah, when you first mentioned it, I was like, you got to be tripping man i can't believe you're picking a killer's record um but I'm, like once you get like 10 seconds into it you're yeah. like okay this is clearly something totally different i really liked it i thought it was great really good songwriting really interesting nuanced storytelling yes you really feel like you're getting like kind of a fair slice of life you know like it's not prettied up but it's not completely bleak either right um you get some of the beauty of the landscape and the benefits of having like a small town and knowing everybody and being quiet. But then there's kind of like the ugly side of like, you know, they touch on like the opi opi opioid mm -hmm. epidemic mm -hmm. and how it's affecting, you know, their kids and yeah. just everyone really in society. Uh, there's a song on here about like a drug dealer, I believe, 
he's talking yeah quiet town second track uh, there's also talks about like uh just relationships and mm -hmm. things like that and how they how they transpire when you have a small town and kind of being like stuck in a small town and never really wondering never really knowing if if you could have been more i guess was is something i always kept thinking about as listening to this record like you know is it holding you back i guess the right. small town or is it keeping you insulated and safe i mean and then the yeah. the heartbreak of the things that go on yeah they really they, there are both sides and I, it's hard to really come down on one side or the other is positive or negative which i think is why make, what makes this record so great yeah so they really it feels balanced and it's catchy yes it's, it's it's fun yeah it's enjoyable terrible yeah. thing is tough to get through it's not that it's a it's a good song but it's definitely the saddest of them that's the one where it's like a young man who's like contemplating suicide yeah i'm right? in my bedroom on the verge of a terrible thing and it it's uh Hey mama, can't you see your boy is wrapped up in a strangle silk of this cobweb town where culture is king? You know, like heavy. Yeah, <laughs> really heavy. I thought that was a really good, really great track. Just like that bleakness and just ready to like turn in. Uh, it really hit home. Yeah, uh, it was pretty powerful. What about the train? Yeah, that's, so that's interesting. So there's. I think that's the second track, right? Quiet Town, where there's a clip of uh, an older gentleman talking about how the train like kills somebody every year. Mm -hmm. A train that goes through town, and you can kind of hear it in yeah. the background. But but what I love about the story is that the guy the the guy being interviewed is like everyone knows the train. You hear it all the time. Right. The only way that someone could get killed by it, I think, is if they wanted to leave this world. Then the song right. kicks in. And it's like whoa. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like, is it an accident or is it suicide? You don't really know. But then, I'm sure you picked up on this on the last track, the getting by. There's another clip. It sounds like the same dude. Maybe and he's talking about the train again and how the kids love to run out to the train just to see it go yeah. by. So it's kind of like, yeah. wow, maybe the train is like almost like the ice cream truck going by. People are excited by it. Yes. So it's it's not so clean cut, right? That's and I've lived in little towns with train tracks that you know kids would play on and follow and stuff, and it brought me back to some of that as Midwestern life. Kind of, although this is Utah, but same kind of feel. And yeah, so yes, there's ugly stuff going on under the surface, but there's also growing up in that environment. It is insulating, and you do feel safe. And at least, you know, this was the 80s, but I'm wandering around on my own, riding my bike to stores and doing whatever, you know, going down a, a little gravel alley between houses and see a lady right. cutting up chickens, like slaughtering a chicken. And then I'm like, can I have the feet <laughs> so I can freak people out? <laughs> so I'm getting handed chicken feet in an alleyway. It's that... That doesn't happen in regular places in in America, you know, just in little towns where you can explore and feel safe and do weird stuff and be a little kid. And yeah, so I, I definitely <laughs> felt that when listening to these songs, you can listen to the album. It's like 10 minutes shorter. I think they have it on streaming services without the interviews. Oh. There's two versions of the album I spotted. So it's like called abridged or something. Avoid that one. <laughs> Don't miss out on the interviews. They're really short. I yeah. think they add a lot. They add a lot, yes. Yeah. So what I'm going to give to the killers is thumbs up, and I'm going to say, wow, 20 years in, you're trying to up your game. 
You know, you're looking at people like Bruce Springsteen and trying to find that nuance and you did it. It's great. It's amazing. Um, when you're successful doing one thing to go change and do it well, mm-hmm. word. I'm impressed. Yeah, that, that is really cool. Not too often people hit their stride, you know, after doing things for 20 years. Now, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where it goes from here, but I will recommend this to anyone that'll, that'll give it a shot because it's really, really good. Yeah. No, I 100% agree, man. I kind of was not looking forward to listening to it just because I was like, so over the killers but they 100 won me over and i think this is one of the the better records i've heard this year for sure so. yeah it might even creep up in that top for me i don't know yet but every listen i like it more so uh that's the killers with pressure machine please go check it out it's, it's really good stuff oh dogs all right it's part of the show where we like to look back in our catalogs here and pick out some records i got one here today from 1994 a Essex, England trio by the name of Underworlds. They put out a record entitled Dub No Bass With My Head Man. I roll sequence in five, <laughs> four, three, two, and I'm rolling. You can't see it, but they're oh, up there. Man. <laughs> Don't love the title myself either, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I do love the record. Uh, yeah, so I picked this record because... They were one of my favorite bands growing up in the 90s. Uh, I used to call them a band. Groups, electronic acts. They were around for a while in the uh, mid to late 80s doing kind of like a new wave sort of style. But this record that came out in 94 just saw a complete change in their sound. Uh, they introduced a 22-year-old DJ by the name of Darren Emerson into the group. And he brought with them the kind of emerging house dance music and that culture and they embraced it immediately and became a kind of a force in that space i thought it'd be interesting before we jump in and play a song from dub no bass on the headman if we just play a clip of what they were doing on the record prior to this uh, which was entitled change the weather and we're going to play the title cut from that All right, all right, cut that off, cut that off. Come on, that's enough for that. That's good stuff. I <laughs> uh, see the dude, yeah, the dude is into that. He likes that 80s kind of, what would you even call that? It's not really funk, it's not really pop. No, synth pop. Synth pop. Like, you know, yeah. Flock of Seagulls and all that stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so they weren't really doing, they were doing okay. They were actually toured with Eurythmics. Remember them? Yeah, come on. I'm, <laughs> I'm old. Right. But they weren't really known for doing anything unique at the time. But then this record came out and that really changed things up for them. They went on to have a pretty successful career, put out some very influential music. And it all started with uh, this first song here. Why don't we play a little clip of Dark and Long? And it feels like both of those things. <laughs> Yeah. 
clip of Dark and Long off Dub Note Bass from the Headman. Uh, so yeah, totally change, total change in sound there. You got the, the driving bass lines that you have in house music. Some of the uh, electronics you might have in kind of acid, an acid house space. Um, then you have Carl Hyde's kind of freestyle poetry. He called it uh, a cubist way of writing. We're just kind of talking about vague notions of things, kind of freeformed into these tracks. I I like that personally. I think it works really well in electronic music. They're really the only one of the few groups I've ever heard really do anything like that in this space. I know this is not your jam, my man. <laughs> I feel a little bad bringing it up, but hey, you got to fit these records in here sometime because it was very influential. For yeah, me, uh, this record obviously. Um, didn't they have a live album called Everything Everything? Yeah, later on in the career. Yes, and wasn't your DJ name everything, everything? Uh, that may or may not be accurate. I can either confirm or deny. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was reading that, I'm like, ah, he must really like this group. Yeah, they were a big reason I got into that space. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I was, like, I noticed there's a song called Spoon Man on here. Shame on them, because it's... <laughs> I was thinking of you when I was reviewing that track. Because like, it's not Soundgarden, is it? Because it's terrible compared to Soundgarden Spoonman. <laughs> Although theirs came out in January of '94, uh, yeah. Super Unknown came out in February of '94. However, Spoonman was <sighs> Spoonman was written in '92 during the for the single soundtrack <laughs> stuff. Well, the only thing they have in common is the title, man. So, <laughs> you know, I think of the movie Train Spotting when I hear this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of how they got recognized for a lot of people. Um, no songs on this record, but I believe that was the same time period, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. when I saw that movie, I was like, everyone was talking about it, and I'm like, ew, the music stinks, and it's just people doing drugs. Like, neither, these were not, I was not interested in either of those things. So I think mm-hmm. I made some connections in my mind blockers really when it came to this kind of music where like it's if you had a program on your computer when every time you get an email from a certain person it just goes to the trash immediately that's kind of (laughs) what happens with this kind of music and it's not fair and i'm old enough now that i can try and push past that so there were moments on here that were not terrible (laughs) and i didn't hate the whole thing it's not my cup of tea i just don't know what to do with it like you can't really sing along. It's tough mm. to find anything to relate to lyrically. And I'm not sure. What am I going to do? Get some glow sticks out, put on some giant pants and start dancing, having a rave. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? That's, that's really my, I don't know what to do with it. What do you do? Do you rave on your own? You and your wife? <laughs> that's our personal business. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Oh God. Uh, it's all coming for together. Me, this, this, <laughs> For me, this music, I don't get as much out of it, if I'm being honest, as I do, like, even that Killer's record, I think, says to me a lot more than this record does. But for me, this is a vibe, which I think mm-hmm. this record works really well at night. Like, I had a hard time listening to it during the day. But I think at night, okay, it just has a really cool, like, sleek, city, sensual vibe to it. Um, the second thing, it's 
very propulsive. Like it really, I think it's really good at helping you get moving, get things done, even like just get thoughts moving in your head. I think it works great for that. Like they really do a great job of kind of controlling the energy throughout this record. Like it's, I think it's very well paced. There's definitely a undercurrent of just bass that keep things moving, but then there's the lyrics and kind of like the mid range. I think they do a nice job of keeping the pace kind of going up and down and building and crescendoing and coming back up. I think it's really well done. There's a couple of bangers on here that are just like very influential in this in this space. So I kind of have some nostalgia around them. Yeah, Spoon Man actually is one of them, <laughs> which was pretty popular. I'd never heard of them or it. I mean, yeah. that's Spoon Man. Right, right. Yeah, well, I, it's obviously not for everybody. I know this space, especially in the UK, this was like like our like grunge was in the US. Like this was oh, like poor UK. a really big like. <laughs> All they had was happening. all they had for grunge was Bush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that I, you know I bring stuff to the table like Huey Lewis and the News and stuff, or, or Billy Ocean, and you're like, oh, roll eye rolls, this stinks. This is just pop eighties <laughs> yeah. garbage. It sounds like eighties, eighties, eighties. But you know, it's a nostalgia thing. So if you love something at a certain point in your life, if you love it enough, you keep loving it, even though you maybe see it from a slightly different perspective. It still holds value for that alone. That's one of the beautiful things about music and and songs is they can take you back. It's a time machine. Yeah, yeah, they really do. They really do. And one of those songs that was very much nostalgic for me, but I still really enjoy I think it's one of the high points on the record. We're going to play it right now. It is entitled Cowgirl. everything 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 there it is there's the inspiration <laughs> that's it right there that's it that's a really cool song it's so hypnotic and you just kind of get caught up in it it's like eight and a half minutes but man it just blows by well i don't really know what else i can say about this record if you don't if you're not into it you're not into it but boy at the time this was pretty dope and it was fun going back and hearing it and i'm so glad they made that shift from that sort of synth pop 80s sounds that's interesting it's so dramatic um that that's the most fascinating part of it is where it came from so if you haven't heard of this or whatever check it out it's just it's cool that it's the seed started in in synth pop of the 80s and i would have never guessed that so i think that's pretty cool and it's cool that they made albums in that space before and to hear the difference i happen to enjoy the earlier stuff myself (laughs) But that's just yeah. because of age and experience and playing with chicken feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, to each their own. Some of us enjoyed our glossics. Some of us had our chicken feet. Okay, so in the trying to be more like Andy and connecting my old dog pick to my new release pick, um, I I read a lot about uh, the Pressure Machine album by Killers and Nebraska by. Bruce Springsteen kind of being an inspiration for it. Nebraska was a album 1982 and it was very acoustic, very raw sp- to- stories of people in small towns, etc. 
And from that came this album, released in 1984. Some of the songs were written for Nebraska, didn't make the cut, and ended up on this album. This song is one of them. It's called Born in the USA. Say hallelujah if you've heard it before. We're going to listen to a little bit. Bruce Springsteen was Born in the USA. He was born in the USA. <laughs> All right. So that comes from Bruce Frederick Joseph Springsteen, born in September of 1949. Well-known singer-songwriter, came up through the 70s. This is the seventh studio album and different from the previous release, which was very Stark. Uh, they had some success on the radio, Born to Run, and some other stuff. Uh, e Street Band usually was part of that. And this album, he reconvenes with his E Street Band, and they add... I mean, listen to that song, Born in the USA. I mean, the lyrics. They're depressing as hell. But people have often been like, yeah, America, woo, when they hear that song. But really, it's about a guy that goes to Vietnam... His life is terrible. He gets back to no fanfare, can't get a job. And it's, you know, yeah, I was born in the USA, but, you know, there's bad that comes with the good. Sometimes the things your country asks for you to do uh, may break you, you know? And, <laughs> and the, yeah. you know, this was 19, so the song was written in 81, recorded first in 82 for the Nebraska album. Vietnam was still a presence. I mean, the, the Vietnam vets had come back in the 70s, and these were now adults trying to live their lives and raise children, the ones that made it. And it really affected American culture. And uh, the song's important and really good. I mean, I know we've heard it a million times. What do you think, man? I mean, I know you've heard that song. You've probably heard most of this album since there were seven of the 12 songs <laughs> were top 10 uh, singles. So, yeah. impressions? thoughts uh i kind of secretly love how that song has been used i think particularly by so many political uh -huh. uh, campaigns over the years <laughs> to promote america and you know kind of say how great we are but in reality it's like poking a hole at all the deficiencies of america um which i think is just i don't know if bruce intended that when he wrote it maybe I, have you did you hear by chance the original version that was recorded for Nebraska, man. It's really interesting to hear in, um, in relation to this song. Yeah. It's very different. Totally different vibe. Yeah. It's super dark. Well, that's, that's what the, that's, I think why this record was a huge success that it was, was you take that, you take that, those stories, yeah. And yeah. then you add this Heartland Rock saxophone keyboards, uh -huh. that sort of almost like bluesy sort of stuff in there. Occasionally, there's moments in here that sound like Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, that era where there was that kind of bluesy 
jazzy, saxophony pop rock, and you put all that celebration in mm-hmm. behind it, and uh, you get yourself a what a eight times platinum album, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now this this record was like I remember when I was first buying CDs in the early '90s, and there was like you know all the big records were available, and this was this was in that mix there. So this is it's been part of my life for a long time. In some ways, it really does nicely sum up the U.S. Like there's this nice commercial sheen to everything, kind of this facade that I think looks really nice from a distance that you have in the production style, and that have kind of big drums and saxophones, like you were saying. But then when you poke at it a little bit and look a little bit deeper, it's like kind of twisted and gnarly and there's a lot of fucked up shit going on underneath the surface. Uh, I, I think this record's definitely not my favorite Springsteen record, but it's enjoyable to hear. And there's quite a few good songs on here overall. Yeah. it. I don't know. I think maybe Born to Run is my favorite Springsteen album. But it's it's worth noting, like this kind of wrecked him this album in some ways it made him a a pop icon i mean people were dressing like him the white t-shirt the red hat and stuff it was a phenomenon i mean he was up there with prince and madonna and michael jackson you know this dude in his 30s that had been doing this forever and no more east there were no more east street band albums till 2002 the Rising. Oh, I didn't realize that. Now he collaborated with the with members of it, you know, lifelong friends, but officially no E Street band. Hmm. But this was just everywhere when I was a young man. Like totally. everywhere. And then dads and sons both loved it, you know, because dads <laughs> were the same yeah. age as Bruce Springsteen and I didn't get that. Bruce Springsteen's my dad's age. Uh-huh. But to me, Bruce Springsteen was cool and my dad was old. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's a rock star, man. I yeah. mean, he was, he was huge. I mean, even in the 90s, like, everybody knew who he was, even though he maybe wasn't as top of mind as he was in the 80s. Uh, but these songs, man, like, you still hear these songs. As far as I know, he wrote, if not all of his music over the years, definitely 99% of it. Yeah. Like, he is the responsible party for all these great stories and Mm -hmm. characters that he's created here. Yep. So hats off for that alone. I think the storytelling is still top notch on this record, even though it does have that kind of commercial facade to it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what brings you in. And then you end up listening to stuff you don't know you're listening to. I mean, everyone loves glory days, right? Right. Glory days. Yeah. One of my favorite lines in there, whenever friends were playing it at a bar, put it on the jukebox and everyone's singing along, you know, and there's mm-hmm. this one line in it where he's like, uh, and boring stories of glory days. Like, <laughs> it's right. about like having that be your only source of happiness. There's more, you know, there's, there's <laughs> yeah. more to life. There's what's happening now, you know? And I yeah. was, this album is full of those because these are all celebratory sounding songs. Uh, well, not all of them. Some of them are introspective some of them are on the kind of uh sexy side Hmm. yeah i'm on fire why don't we listen to a little bit of that and uh try to keep your pants on andy (laughs) 
At night I wake up with the sheets soaking wet And a freight train running through the middle of my head And you That's like a perfect mix of uh, Bruce Springsteen's vocal style stripped back, but then with a little touch from the E Street Band with that, with uh, the mm-hmm. great Max Weinberg's That's right. dialed Max back Weinberg, yeah. drums there, you know, the beat. And, mm-hmm. but it's very haunting, relatable of these moments of, you know, desires in your life and stuff, and done in a way that somehow isn't completely creepy. The way the song starts off is a little creepy. <laughs> From his hey, little home. girl, it's a daddy home. <laughs> I know. I was a little bit anxious about reading the lyrics for this song. Well, I, I, I love this song so much. There's something so beautiful about mm-hmm. it. It always gives me like goosebumps whenever I listen to it closely. But if you... It, so the, the story's from a youthful perspective of when he was, you yeah. know, from a young man. It's not necessarily 30 something year old Bruce Springsteen singing <laughs> to a 16 year old. Right, We're going right. to assume. I mean, he's proven to be a decent fella over the years. So we have no reason to cast aspersions on him here. But it's a story and it was well told, two and a half minutes, but it's a super memorable song. That's great, man. That- I've heard it covered so many times, but man, the original is just chef's kiss. So good. I love those quieter songs on here. There's a couple of them, but it's hard to escape like the big loud sounds and the, you know, the catchy, uh, the catchy ones too. Like, oh, you talk quickly about dancing in the dark, man. Yeah. That was probably the most biggest influential hit. song on here for me. Yeah. I used to hear that all the time. Uh, but kind of weird backstory. Yep. dude. You probably know the backstory. I, I, maybe. Why don't you tell me and I'll... <laughs> See if I'm right. <laughs> I heard I heard that this was one of the last songs recorded on this record and that he was basically asked to write a hit mm-hmm. for the record, even though they already had Born in the USA, which is like... Yeah, but I mean, look where that started. It was scrapped for... It didn't even make the cut for Nebraska. True. True. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> So the song is really about writing a song, or maybe not specifically a song, but just the pressures of being an artist and needing to perform Mm -hmm. and create something that's going to be marketable or sellable. This gun's for hire. Right, exactly, yeah. Even if we're just dancing in the dark, which I assume means kind of like he doesn't really know what he's he's doing, like he's kind of just making up as he goes along type thing. Yeah, yeah. I kind of took it as like I'm writing a pop song, so those are just for dancing in the dark. Oh, I see. There's no like higher purpose right. to it. That, but who knows? But then that song in that video with Courtney Cox and the arm swinging dance that he did, like that is iconic. I mean, he right. un- yeah. like he somehow <laughs> wrote the perfect pop song, right? That everyone loved when he was like John Landau, the co-producer, uh, sent him on that mission, and it was a rousing success, but also. I think probably a failure in some ways artistically for Mr. Springsteen, where it's like, <laughs> shit, man. <laughs> John well, John kinda... Landau was right, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. One thing, last thing I'll mention about this, we've gone on too long, but the album is well-structured, the A-side, B-side. A-side, of course, is really strong. It's Born in the USA and Cover Me. 
uh, and I'm on fire is how it finishes. But then side two starts with no surrender, which has really good, you know, the cranking up the the volume and and the energy. But then we get into glory days, dancing in the dark in my hometown to close it out. So then we have it bookended with born in the USA and then a beautiful my hometown, which mm-hmm. is a c- contemplative story about the you know hometown life and growing up and in, in, in uh, all the details in a few minutes and it ends the album like so strong with another heartfelt real story type of song and that's kind of cool and and that's what made me think the killers and this their attempt to kind of do a Nebraska thing Bruce's attempt to do a more poppy thing and then <laughs> yeah. here we are uh, yeah totally could hear that it's nice to kind of get these little vignettes of like small town America. I don't know. It's tough. It's a tough choice. Like I'd have probably, I know they're not really on the same level, but I really think the killers did a great job with mm-hmm. that record, man. Like I really relate to those stories there. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier to get to them without all the, the bright sheen. I keep saying it, that the Springsteen record has mm-hmm. product of the times too. Uh, yeah, to- totally. Totally. It's just the, it's just the eighties of it, but a beautiful album, huge album. If you haven't listened to it in a while or listened to the whole thing, just know a few of the singles. Go check it out. It's pretty pretty cool. And uh, there's there's fun on the surface. And if you want to dig deeper, those songs allow you to do so, which is pretty cool. So, born in the USA, the boss himself, Mr. Bruce Springsteen. Enjoy. All right, boys and girls. That will about do it for this episode of the Album Nerds Podcast. Thanks for listening. Do appreciate it. Uh, what do you think of these records? Email us at podcast at albumers.com or leave us a voicemail. Sure, would love to hear your voice. Uh, 585-210-2454. That'd be awesome. It'd make my day. Yes. Yes, it would. And the dudes. So you can also subscribe to and download the show in the usual podcasty places. If you'd like to help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars would be preferred, and then do a little write-up. Let the world know about the Album Nerds podcast. It'll help us find more listeners. Uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Album Nerds. All right, we'll be back again in a couple weeks, maybe a week. Mm-hmm. Tune in to find out. <laughs> With some more album recommendations for you. Uh, thanks again for listening. We'll catch you then. Thank you so much. Have a good couple weeks. See you.